creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. Nerds and geeks, welcome to the 30th Nerd Night event, part two of three series held at Ed's No Name Bar. Nerd Night is a monthly event held by WSU professors Dr. Carl Firkenhoff and Dr. Emily Ruff, where three candidates get 30 minutes to nerd out and speak about their passions. So if you have a topic you're passionate about or knowledgeable enough to be called a nerd, this event is a place to be. I'm Del Nalzate, and crack open your textbooks as we nerd it out at the No Name Bar today on Culture Click. All right, everybody. Well, I think we're ready for our second talk tonight. So we're going to welcome to the stage Will Hesch. Will Hesch is a professional walker. He has studied the art of walking across three continents over the last two decades. So let's give a round of applause for Will. Thank you, thank you. I do not have a PowerPoint, so we're going to have to use the power of imagination for this. Um, so yeah, I am here to talk about long-distance walking. Uh, you can think of Forrest Gump, only I hate that film because there's so many questions that it leaves open, and these are the questions that I'm going to hope to answer over the course of the evening. For me, Forrest Gump brings up the questions of like, did he bring any money? Did he bring a tent? Did he bring a razor? He clearly an answer to that one. But all of those things are uh, about long-distance walking. And long-distance walking is something that I truly enjoy and love. Uh, it's something I've done a lot of, and it's, uh, it's a fantastic form of exercise. And you can go great distances, and you can go around your own town as well. So uh, this story starts, uh, as many great Winona stories do, with the Frozen River Film Festival. Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, I was just out of college and I was really interested in things and at the Frozen River Film Festival, there were a few wonderful, wonderful speakers. Uh, one of them was Matt Mulkey, who is a local hero. Uh, he's since passed, but uh, he uh, worked at Walmart and then managed to uh, paddle down the whole Mississippi and then paddle down the Amazon and was a guide for someone who swam down the Amazon. And he was in a documentary, and I was amazed that somebody like that could live right across the river. And then uh, Dr. John Francis came. And Dr. John Francis is an amazing person. He spent 27 years not driving in cars, and 19 of them, he was silent. He started in California. Oop, here's our first pseudo slide. He started in California. <laughs> went up to uh, Washington, then went over to Montana, down through Wisconsin, and then to the East Coast. And in the course of those, of, of walking across the country, he also got a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD, uh, all without speaking. So this was an amazing, amazing character. And I, I had these ideas in my head, and I was like, all right, I need to go do this. I need to have my walking adventure. So... Second map, uh, the walking adventure that I did was starting out in Germany, which will be over here, going southwest through Germany, and then uh, to around Frankfurt, and then turning northwest, uh, going through Belgium, and then winding up in the Netherlands. And that took was the course of about 700 miles. And then I did some other things in Europe, uh, woofing, willing workers on organic farms down in Italy. And then the second course of the journey was in France, 
which you'll see right here. And then it went uh, northwest from uh, Dijon to about Paris. So that was about 300 miles. So rounding it off, it was about 1,000 miles. Um, so when I hear that one song, I'll walk 1,000 miles, I'm always like, that's me. That's me. <laughs> uh, so first off, um, you know, I, I was reading uh, my daughter's homework today, and one of the things they said is, a journey of 1,000 miles starts with a single step. Beautiful words, but bullshit. Uh, it starts with planning. It really starts with planning. There is a lot of planning that goes into these things, and it really, really is important. So I'm going to tell uh, some more stories of, of, of my walking adventure, but the motif is planning. So uh, one of the things that, that uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I read a bunch of books before I did. I made these lists and decided, you know, you have to think about every single physical object that's going to be with you because you don't have much of a, of a do-over. It's either with you or it's not, and you have to figure it out. You have to find it. You have to, you have to procure whatever you didn't bring with you. Um, so I read all the things. I thought about it. I thought about shoes. I thought about boots. I thought about tents. I thought about this and that. I thought about chopping down my toothbrush so that it was, you know, to save that extra little couple of fraction of an ounce. Um, you don't need to do that. Um, but it's definitely true. The lighter things are, the easier it is. And uh, so a couple bits of advice. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to think about boots, just go with something easy. You know, you don't need these, like, amazing mountaineering awesome boots that take, you know, months to break in and stuff like that. Tennis shoes are totally fine. A light hiker shoe is totally fine. One of the biggest things, also, in that 1,000 miles, I never got any blisters. I never got any blisters. Blisters are almost entirely avoidable uh, because blisters take three things, which is heat, abrasion, and moisture. So if you can take away part of that equation, you will not get blisters. And the biggest thing that you can do to affect that is take away moisture. So have a pair of dry socks, have several pairs of dry socks. I just realized I'm quoting Lieutenant Dan, so I can't, <laughs> damn, Forrest Gump. Ugh. All right, anyways, but having lots of dry socks is absolutely the, the way to go. Keep them Pack, uh, you know, packed into the center of your pack, the last spot that's going to get wet, that's where you want your dry socks to be. And so, so I had done all of this stuff, and I had made, you know, put all of this intentionality into the backpack and this and that, everything that was there. And I went over to, flew into Berlin, and touristed for a little while, and then I finally set out on my adventure. And I was, I was so full of, of uh, you know, this is going to be my walking adventure, that I neglected to bring a tent. Uh, it was March in Germany, and I thought, there'll be tons of hostels. I don't need a tent. I don't even need a sleeping bag. It'll be totally fine. So the first day, I wound up in Potsdam, which Potsdam is an absolutely, it's a lovely little uh, village. That was where the Potsdam conference happened after World War II. What it doesn't have is any youth hostels. Uh, the, the cheapest one that I could find was about 170 euros, which was not on my budget, in my budget whatsoever. So I decided to take one of the emergency blankets, which is a little piece of basically plastic aluminum foil. And I was like, eh, this will work. So I wrapped up in that and tried to sleep, and it started to rain, and, uh, and I didn't get very much sleep that night. In a forest, in a forest outside of Potsdam, I just 
found a place and slept there. Tried to stay dry, but it didn't work. Um, so the next day, I was, I was continuing southwest. I was always going southwest. And I'll tell you, if you pick a direction and walk in that direction, after about a week, in, in my experience, you no longer need a compass. That, that direction is so firmly put in your mind that you know what direction you're going. And that's basically, I've never used a compass again. So day two, I wound up going through and I wound up at the end of the day, I hadn't seen a single soul all day. And I wound up at the, uh, the Russian barracks. And these Russian barracks were, was where the Soviet army had existed and been until 19, from about 1945 to 1989 and where they had withdrawn. And it was a world historical event because the Russian army had never peaceably given up territory before. And so I was fascinated by this and seeing the layers of graffiti, the Russian graffiti, the German graffiti on top of the Russian graffiti. I was fascinated by it. And I was, it just felt like I was completely away from everything else. And then I heard some tires screech, and I was really surprised by that, and I didn't understand, oh, okay, maybe I'm somewhere near a road. And in order to look at, at the, the Russian barracks, I had taken off my backpack. And when I got back to the bike path that I had been on, my backpack was gone. So I had a money belt, I had my passport, so I, I had the essentials, you know, so I just kept walking down the road. And now it was like, you know, imagine no possessions. You know, like, what do I do? Do I give up? Do I go back home? Do I come back to No Name Bar and tell everybody, yeah, you know, that thing that was going to last for like, you know, nine months? I made it a week, you know. So I decided that I was not going to do that because that sounded terrible. Uh, so I decided to keep going. And so I, I, you know, so now not having any possessions whatsoever except for the, the clothes on my back. That's how I was going to continue the journey. And then I would have to go out and find those things that I needed, slowly rebuild and figure out how to keep doing walking. And to my great surprise later on, uh, two days later, uh, a, a plainclothes German police officer pulls up next to me and he, and he says, uh, Herr Hesch. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> how do you know my name? That's very strange. Um, and uh, he said, yes, uh, we found your backpack. We read your journal. We saw that you were, uh, you were 20 kilometers from Berlin. And so we've been searching the Russian ruins there with helicopters and dogs. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, OK. Uh, so can I have my backpack back? You know, like, <laughs> how does this work at this point? And so they took me back to the police station. They verified who I was. And then they gave me, you know, once again on the theme of possessions, they gave me an itemized list of everything that I had with Teutonic precision. Three Euro pennies. One pair of dirty underwear. <laughs> and so, and then in the end, they... Gave me my backpack back and even gave me a ride part of the way that they'd, that they'd brought me from. And, uh, and so I was back on my way. Uh, so, so then the, the uh, next imaginary slide, uh, the, uh, the journey continued. And uh, so then I really got into the rhythm of walking. And one of, the, one of the things is there's no point at which it becomes absolute peaceful nirvana and you are just floating through space on a cloud of wonderful. It is a, still a trudge. It is still difficult every single day. Throughout uh, the old East Germany, there is very little shoulder on the road. So you're stepping one foot on the road and one foot angled. 
and I twisted my ankle four or five different times a day. Um, once I got into West Germany, Germany, there are bike paths, and bike paths are fantastic because they are walking paths with, you know, other traffic. But, um, so again, a planning thing. Going to a place that has that pre-existing infrastructure makes life a whole lot easier. Also, in this time, I made another discovery about myself, which is whatever, you know, gluten intolerant is, I'm the opposite of that. Uh, I was basically eating bread and beer all day long, and it was wonderful, and I felt fantastic. Um, so this also got me thinking about the, 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 historical, the historical greats of walking. And there is no greater story than Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, he moved his army at 30 miles a day. 30 miles a day through, use your imagination again, the modern countries of, uh, it would have been Macedon, Greece, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, uh, did I miss one? Israel, um, Al Armenia, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and modern-day India. They traveled 15,000 miles on foot over the course of 10 years. And they did it without horse carts or mules or anything assisting them. They carried all of the food on their backs. And the way that you can achieve that kind of, mile, of miles, I did I, one day. There was one day when I was walking across, across uh, I think it was in, in Belgium or the Netherlands at that point, that I got to 30 miles. I did 30 miles in one day. And it is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. You, you need to like walk for three hours and then rest for an hour. You need to rest for longer than you, need to, than, you, than, you can, than you feel like you need to. And then you walk for three hours, then you rest for three hours, then you walk for three hours and rest for three hours. And you do that. That day that I managed to do that, I think I woke up at midnight and went throughout the whole entire day. And I achieved that for one day with rest stops along the area. Alexander the Great, not a great person, by the way, just want to say, uh, you know, <laughs> As I was doing research for this, somebody was like, Alexander the Great, he's not a great corollary for anybody else, except for Hitler. He marched east intent on destroying cultures and used violence at every single turn. And I was like, oh, he's still a really great walking general. He's still, he's still a hero in my mind. Oh, okay, sorry, that's a hard one. Anyways, uh, so I wound up uh, making one disastrous misstep, which was I turned southwest at Aachen and wound up in French Belgium. No offense to any French Belgians here or whatever, but that was the worst mistake I did because uh, French Belgians are terrible. Um, they don't clean up after their dogs, so instead of walking like this, you have to walk like this, and there is dog poop everywhere. And I was... I was, you know, pretty hobo-y and somewhat out of my mind at this point. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, you know, sleep under bridges. So I was, I was basically a troll at that point. And then one day I woke up and in the middle of the night and there was this French-Belgian man standing there smoking a galois and letting his dog pee on my backpack. And I was like, all right, French-Belgian, 
you're terrible. I'm going to get the hell out of here and go back to Dutch-speaking Belgian, which was far, far better. Immediately, the sidewalks were clear again. So, uh, so, that's, uh, so then at the end, I, I had the end of my, of my journey when I got to Leiden and, and uh, right around Amsterdam. Later on, I took the second leg of my journey through uh, France. That time I had a tent, which is also, if you take anything away from this, tents are amazing. They're great. You can camp near anywhere. Um, so yeah, so I learned from my mistakes, had a tent the next time around. And uh, yeah, so in the French portion of my, of my leg of the journey, I intersected with some of the, the, the pilgrim, pilgrims on the, the Santiago de Compostela route. But I was traveling, uh, you know, northwest at that point. They were traveling uh, southwest. So it was, it, we were at, at intersection. But it, it, it really made me think about this a lot, about how we... we we as humanity have a very rich walking tradition. That the uh, Santiago de Compostela route, it, it went through you know, Spain, uh, but also it, it started in many other places as far away as Latvia. So people were starting to walk in Latvia and traveling all the way to the Atlantic Ocean in Spain. Um, and pilgrimage was, it was, it was a way of uh, wiping out your past wrongs. There was, you know, if somebody had done something truly heinous, they could say, okay, I'm going to go on a pilgrimage now. And if somebody showed up after a week, you know that they didn't put the work in. But if somebody did the pilgrimage, if they walked there and they walked back, that was actually, in, in the medieval mindset, that was capable of wiping away heinous wrongdoing that people had done. That's something that we've lost as a society. That's something that, that now, you know, you go on a long walking adventure, it's cool, it's fun. But over the course of history, walking has served many, many important purposes, many vital purposes. If you think of what your ancestors were actually doing, like what was your, their day-to-day -day lives like, it was a lot of walking. You know, the Oregon Trail is the last vestiges of that before railroads came around, where we have some memory of what it was like for people to walk long distances in this country. But in this country far, far longer ago, uh, the Native American migrations, they moved through and left almost no archeological record because people were walking so light and so far. And then at some point, everybody had the decision of, I'm gonna stay or I'm gonna go. And this is a part of human tradition. It's a part of how we evolved to be about how our whole physical frame was created. And I think that, that it, it, it can bring you more in touch with yourself and around you. You know, the internet has some, some memes that come and go and people say stuff like touch grass. Well, I think that that's right, but touch grass with your feet and, you know, travel over it. So I think that's just about all I've got to say. Um, Let's yeah. have a round of applause for Will. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. Any uh, questions? Would you, yeah. I'd like to take some Q&A. Any questions for Will? How much did this trip cost from start to finish? Uh, so, yeah. I had, a, I had a job right outside of college, uh, and I, I, I managed to uh, stay, uh, save up about $20,000, and that got me through nine months of Europe and then 
uh, went over to Asia and walked around in China for another two months and then managed to make it back here. And I, and I, I still had a little bit left over because I was, I, was, I was real cheap. Uh, so uh, yeah, after that I built a tiny house. So yeah, I had, I had a little bit of change left over, yeah. The Bataan Death March. Yeah, wow, yeah. Uh, Can you I was, repeat the question, I was please? Yeah. Uh, when I was walking, did I think of the Bataan Death March? Um, <laughs> I would say that wasn't the first thing on my mind. I was kind of trying to think of the, the spiritual traditions of it and the, the people that had walked this way. Uh, there was other people like uh, somebody like, uh, there was a, a woman named P Peace Pilgrim, and she crossed the United States, I think, four times and then was hit by a car and killed. Um, but she, she did that with, with almost nothing whatsoever. So, uh, no, I didn't think much about the Bataan Death March. I was thinking about, you know, the, the, my, the, the heroes that I had who, had who had done these sorts of things. Um, and, you know, the Appalachian Trail is great, um, but there's like, there's like one time that it goes through town and you can stop for pizza. Like, <laughs> like I think it's way better to, like, go and have those grocery stores evenly spread along the way, like, that makes life a whole lot easier so you don't have to figure it out all the time. You don't have to use a camp stove every single meal. So, yeah. One back here. Yeah, we got one back here. So you said it was after college. I don't know how long ago that was. So what did you, like, did you have music or books on some device or yes, anything. Yes, that, yes. I mean, like, that's a lot of time to be just with your thoughts. Uh-huh. Yep. No, this was, I was, it was right in that era between cell phones uh, and, well, I mean, I guess there was flip phones, but I, I had an iPod. So I, I, I loaded an iPod, uh, had a bunch of good books, a bunch of, of interesting music. Uh, my mother <laughs> helped load that iPod, and so I found some surprising things that, that weren't there. But yeah, after, like, after about seven months of that, like, I found a book that was there, and I was like, oh, wow, Sarah Vowell. I've got a Sarah Vowell book on this iPad. I'll listen to this three times, because yeah, I mean, it was, I, it, it definitely, there is, a, there is a boredom management of it. And there are times that are really beautiful, and I think that it's a, it's a wonderful way to like, traverse the landscape. Uh, we talk so much about like the pace of life and stuff like that, but like literally, if you slow down your pace of life, like modern travel and stuff is mostly like sitting or sitting in an airplane and waiting. But if you're walking or biking or anything, if you're there, if you're physically moving through the landscape, like you don't get to kind of check out the same way. So I do that. I still rely a lot on music and stuff like that, but there's also a way of being present when you're walking that, I mean, you have to be fairly present, otherwise you'll trip over stuff, you know? So you've got to somewhat be in your body and your body gives you tons of signals of like, how am I doing? Am I pushing too hard? Am I, am I, do I have extra energy? Do I need a break? Is it time, you know, is now the time that I can lengthen my stride and cover more distance? So um, yeah, but boredom management is definitely a part of it. All right, let's have a round of applause for Will. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. All right, we're going to take one more short break, and then we'll be back with our last talk about printmaking. All right, thanks. A huge thanks goes out to Ed's No Name Bar and the Nerd Bosses for making this whole event possible. Tune in next week for our part three finale of this nerdtastic event. To check out Nerd Night Winona or even sign up as a speaker yourself, visit their Facebook page at Nerd Night Winona or keep updated at visitwinona.com. I'm Del Nazate, and for more nerdtastic or local Winona events, 
tune in to Culture Click every Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. here on 89.5 KQAL. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.